2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 17th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, I wrote a road of his radio news show covering the series and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by SquadQL. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at M-I-The-Reel Blair and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's
3: going fantastic, Blair. Week 2 is in the books, or at least close to being, so we're still going through the Dallas uh, Giants game right now.
2: Yes, and as we're recording, it's still going on. So a few more games to get out of the way, but so far it was a really fun week. A lot of uh, a lot of Rotoviz favorites uh, hit really big, so we got a ton of great stuff to talk about. And I'm excited to be talking about it with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Eric Moody. Eric is a contributor and the social media co-manager at Rotoviz. Uh, he's also a contributor to Gridiron Experts and 2QBs and a featured writer at Fantasy Pro's. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. Eric, thanks for joining us. How's it going?
4: No, things are going great. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, come on. You know, it's been a good weekend. A lot of great college games, NFL games. Just a busy weekend. It always comes to Sunday night where I'm just like, man, I wish I had like another day before going into the work week. I'm doing great, man.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, well, let's get right into it. Uh, first news item up oj howard caught three of four targets for 96 yards and a touchdown in the bucks week 2 win over the eagles this marks the second week that howard has been a major part of the offense while cameron Brate has been a non-factor as he was held without a catch for the second week in a row so eric is this more a function of fitzpatrick being the quarterback and therefore a trend that you would expect to kind of stop when winston comes back or do you think howard is going to be the clear number one tight end in tampa bay for the foreseeable future
4: yeah, I think that uh, O.J. Howard will end up being the guy. You know, I don't believe this trend will correct itself once uh, Jameis Winston uh, returns. You got to think about it that Howard was selected number 19 overall in the 2017 draft. The Bucks coaching staff are really looking to get a return on their investment at this point. One thing with Howard that's interesting, you know, he played down uh, 65% of Bucks offensive snaps through two games. He's only been targeted on 14, uh, 14% of them, so that's an opportunity. And also, you know, 83 of his 150 receiving yards through two games have come after the catch. One thing with Bucks head coach and play caller, Dirk Cutter, you know, he has a history of heavily using the tight end in his offenses. So since 2012, you know, he's had three that have finished in the top 10. And I do expect Howard to be the clear tight end one in Tampa, you know, for the rest of the season, obviously with Cameron Braid, you know, kind of filling in.
3: Yeah, that's actually kind of an interesting way to put it. I mean, uh I was fairly bullish on O. J. Howard this entire off season, particularly in baseball leagues. Uh I have a little bit of Cameron Braid, but I have a lot more O. J. Howard, especially because he was uh, fairly affordable in baseball because uh the idea behind uh him losing a lot of actual receiving work to Braid and being used as a more so as a blocking tight end that seemed to be sort of the worry, at least in the mid part of the season uh during uh draft season so it seems like that's not really coming to pass he seems to be doing really well especially on that one long play where we have got to see him uh show off his uh, athleticism what made him that uh, incredibly early draft pick
2: yeah i mean i've drafted a lot of oj howard too in best ball this year and basically zero cameron braid i mean kind of what's motivating this question are the splits we saw last year anyway with fitzpatrick in and out braid averaged basically double the amount of fantasy points almost triple actually the amount of fantasy points when winston was the quarterback and um, versus when fitzpatrick was and howard i think has not quite as drastic splits but he was definitely better with with uh, fitzpatrick than with winston so uh you know that could be meaningless but i mean so far with fitzpatrick at quarterback it looks like howard's the guy uh so i'm a little worried that just you know getting winston back will make Will make Bray kind of have a resurgence, but um, but yeah, I definitely agree that Howard is looks to be more talented, definitely more athletic, and uh, you know probably should be their their top tight end going forward. Um, do you think he can continue this kind of pace he's on once uh, you know if this offense slows down at all? I mean, we've seen them score what 48 points and 27 points in their first two games. I don't think any of us would say they can keep on that pace. So does Howard take a big step back if the offense uh, regresses at all?
4: That's a tough one. Uh, yeah, because they have they have hit the ground running uh, this season and unfortunately they did that in week one against my uh, my New Orleans Saints being a Saints guy so that wasn't a fun game to watch. I think the thing for Howard, as long as he gets the target volume, which he which he hasn't had up to this point of the season, I think he can continue this hot streak, but he's just going to be very volatile. So he's definitely on that tight end one radar, but the volatility up or down, it can go either way any week.
2: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Next week, Tampa Bay is at home against Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we obviously saw the Chiefs drop a huge score on Pittsburgh today. So maybe maybe they can keep it going for one more week. We'll see.
3: Dalvin Cook exited week two against the Packers during overtime with a hamstring injury. He's already being called questionable for next week's game against Buffalo. Eric, does this make Latavius Murray a must add this week? How much of your fob would you spend to get him?
4: Yeah, it was unfortunate that Cook uh, had that injury. Just given that offense and, and the volume you know that Cook has gotten, yeah I would consider Latavius Murray a must add. Looking back at his numbers through two games, you know he's had you know 15 rushing attempts, uh, including two in the red zone to Dalvin Cook's 26. One thing with Cook, you know, he's been used more as a receiver out of the backfield. You know, he has 12 targets. Murray hasn't been targeted at all. Like, mean, if you look back at Murray, you know, over his last 56 games, you know, from 2014 to 2017, and he's only averaged like 2.4 targets, 1.9 receptions, and a measly 13.2 receiving yards per game over that time frame. I would say for a guy like Murray, you know, I'm open to allocating anywhere from 20 to 40 percent of fab, you know, towards him. It really all comes down to that—that uh, that fantasy player's desperation at the running back position.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Even if we're only talking about a one-week fill-in, if you have, you know, holes in your running back core, then uh, you know anybody going up against Buffalo, it seems, is uh, definitely in play. Uh, and the you know the Vikings don't really have a ton else on their roster. They have Mike Boone, uh, Rock Thomas. It looks like so. Uh, I know. Devin McIntyre has been has had some good things to say about Mike Boone, so he might be somewhat interesting. But, yeah, I, I agree. Murray seems like a, a must-add if you're needy and running back. I
3: think I think both Boone and Rock Thomas should be rostered in Dynasty Leagues. There's no reason for them to be on waivers right now. Uh, one thing uh, that I would like to bring up is that Latavius Marta was sort of thought to have this split role with Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know... And that doesn't seem to have really materialized. It is, It has only been th- two games. But so far, Mari is functioning more so as this change of pace option who's used to sort of spell cook on early down work, uh, which is completely fine. But he's got very little standalone volume. There seems to be very little goal line work for him to go around as well. And there's no use for him in the receiving game. We know Murray is a capable backup, we've seen him do it before, he's a very, very talented running back in my opinion, so uh, I'm with you guys, I think that, you know, if we get word that Crook is going to be forced to sit for whatever reason, uh, I would absolutely go out there and put, you know, 20-40% to 40% if I need an RB right now.
2: Before we get into No Shit Shit No, here's a quick reminder that you can support the RotoViz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to RotoViz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $5 a month and provide exclusive access to RotoViz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a RotoViz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high quality industry leading programming.
3: Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off your Rotoviz of NFL Pass right now. It's available to the NFL podcast homepage, rotovizcom backslash podcast. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You get amazing value and you help support the pod. Once again, that's rotovizcom slash podcast.
5: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie.
2: All right, now let's get into no-shit-shit-no. First item up, Tevin Coleman rushed 16 times for 107 yards in the Falcons' 31-24 week two win over the Panthers. He caught all four of his targets for 18 additional yards.
4: Tevin Coleman. Now, I was thinking about coming into this segment, uh, <laughs> you know, just laying out, you know, no-shit or shit-no. It just, just kind of fascinates me. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in with full enthusiasm. So Tevin Coleman, I'll say no-shit on this one. I'll give you a couple of reasons why. You know, since coming into the league in 2015, you know this is a guy that's been in a, a committee. You know, with, the, uh, with Devontae Freeman, you know handling a high number of the touches, he's still been very productive. You know, he's averaged you know 56.6 yards per game since entering the league. One thing that's interesting of looking at his data. You know, is that he's had positive rushing fantasy points over expectation per attempt and also positive receiving fantasy points over expectation per target. I'm buying Coleman whenever he has the opportunity, of course.
3: Yeah, Coleman's been a guy who kind of had flex appeal a little bit behind Devonta Freeman. He has had some of those RB two weeks, uh, you know, just by virtue of volume, especially when the bye weeks uh, come along. Moody, uh, does the lack of um, you know red zone work kind of trouble you, or is uh, what's happening here with the Falcons?
4: Yeah, I do. I do have some concern, uh, you know, over that. You know, you think of Steve Sarkeesian and uh, you, some of the struggles that, that he's had, you know, transitioning from the college game to the NFL game. But for me, it's really all about touches and opportunities. You know, with those touches, you know, they're more consistent on a per game basis. You know, it's kind of hit or miss. You know, with red zone opportunities, it's just nothing that's that you can really that can really be used like uh, from a predictive lens. So I'm okay with it. You know, as long as he's getting the opportunities, you know, he's gonna he's gonna score some touchdowns every now and then. I'm good with it. Not optimal, but I'm okay with it.
3: Will Fuller caught eight of nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown in the Texans' week two loss to the Titans.
4: Yeah, I would say no shit on uh, Will Fuller. I'm like anytime that you know, he's on the field and Deshaun Watson's on the field, you know he always has uh, you know opportunities to score touchdowns and for long receptions, and we saw that again here uh, today. And so, you know, one thing with Fuller, even though he only played like in 10 games, uh, you know, last year, you know, he was very productive. So if he's active, and you know, he's a wide receiver three, you know, with upside for a lot, lot more.
2: Christian McCaffrey rushed eight times for 37 yards and caught 14 of 15 targets for 102 yards in the Panthers 31-24 week two loss to the Falcons.
4: Yeah, no shit. You know, if this guy, you know, if he gets opportunities as a receiver out of the backfield, you know, he's going to be successful, you know, and he had that happen again uh, here uh, today. Uh, Remains to be seen, you know, on the rushing attempts, you know, per game, you know, if that will end up changing, but as long as he's getting the targets and the opportunities, he's going to make it happen.
3: Melvin Gordon rushed nine times for 28 yards and a touchdown and caught six of seven passes for 38 yards and two touchdowns in the Chargers' week two win over Buffalo.
4: Yeah, I would say no shit, you know, this guy has been a TD or bust. Uh, ever since coming into the league and if he gets a touchdown he's going to give you a good fantasy line and he had that uh today one thing that's interesting with gordon though if you look back uh since 2016 you know over his last 30 games does have a negative uh rushing fantasy points uh over expectation per attempt not optimal but he's still getting it done
3: so i just want to point out that melvin gordon it's still very young in the season but he is seen some of the most targets uh, across the first few weeks uh, among guys, ahead of guys like uh, Jared Cook, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay. He's seen 13 targets to their 12 going down just, just for fun. I think this is uh, kind of interesting to follow just because Melvin Gordon, the one thing that people don't, or at least when he was coming out of college, they said ah, oh, this guy can't really catch the ball. He didn't really do much of it at Wisconsin and he's turning into kind of like a de facto wide receiver too for the chargers uh and splitting time and the, that the backfield with him and austin eckler looks very very impressive uh, what are your thoughts on that
4: yeah i would uh yeah i would agree with you. you brought up a good point you know they did uh you know the coaching staff did say coming to the season they want to use him more uh, as a receiver and he has gotten those opportunities you know, he, and he, he is going to have some monster games, you know, from here on out, especially where where kind of those two things end up coming together. So, no, it, it's good to see, and I think that those that have invested in Gordon uh, early in drafts, you know, like what they've seen so far.
2: Ryan Fitzpatrick completed 27 of 33 passes for 402 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception in the Bucks' week to win over the Eagles.
4: Yeah, I would say shit no on uh, on Fitz. You know, he's always good for a couple of games like this, then he'll uh, come back down to earth. And that can actually come as soon as this week or next week.
3: Do you think it'll be next week against the Steelers then at home?
4: I, th- I think it could happen. I'm saying we, we've got a trend here, you know, two good games in a row uh, to kind of fit in with the theme. I think he's going to ship the bad sooner rather than later.
3: Out of curiosity, I mean, like uh, today the Tampa Bay coaches were pretty insistent that they don't think Jimmy Swinston is getting his job back. They just they're not being serious, right? <laughs>
4: Uh, I just think it's more uh, just more posturing on um you know on their end. They just don't want to you know hand the keys to the car back immediately, you know to Winston. Kind of want him to sweat a little bit. Uh, so I, I'm not really taking that seriously, but you know we'll see. They may follow through with it, but who knows.
2: You know, I mean if he comes in and or if the Steelers come in and and the Bucks win at home, you know, they're 3 and 0 now under Fitzpatrick. That is uh you know hard to bench that guy.
4: No, it, it it would be, yeah, it would be, but what, this is one of those things we'll have to see, uh, kind of see how it pans out. And I know Winston's got a lot on the line too, you know, just given his contract situation and then obviously the off the field troubles, you know, that he's had. But you really got to look at it from a big picture. Is really Fitzpatrick going to be the future of this franchise? You know, at his age, <laughs> you know, he's had some traction, but it's not a guy you really want to you really want to have success or failure tied to. And that's exactly what Dirk Cutter and his staff are really looking at at this point. If they don't make it happen this year, they're out.
3: Just like we all predicted, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be completely fine without Jimmy Smith. They're just going to smash New Orleans and New Orleans, and it's just going to continue rolling. Um, Stefan Diggs hauled in 9 of 13 targets for 128 yards and 2 touchdowns in the Vikings' Week 2 tie with the Packers.
4: Yeah, I would say no shit on this one. Uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, a Rotoviz uh favorite I know we've written a lot of articles, you know, about him, and uh, you know he's followed through. Uh, one thing that's interesting with him, I'm like, he's just getting a uh, you know a ton of air yards uh, with having cousins on the center, and so I think he's going to have uh, some even more monster games, you know, from here on out. But if you look back at his numbers, you know, since coming uh, into the league, you know, he has been very, very effective. So, yeah, he's in for a big year.
2: Speaking of monster games, Patrick Mahomes completed 23 of 28 passes for 326 yards and six touchdowns in the Chiefs' 42-37 week 2 win over the Steelers.
4: Yeah, I would say no shit on this one as well. Uh, you know, with Mahomes, and um, you know, they, they drafted him. Uh, you know, the Andy Andy Reid regime with the Chiefs, you know, they, they picked him up. You know, they let him sit and kind of simmer for a year, you know, behind Alex Smith. And then what I've really liked that I've seen from them is that they've really catered the offense – you know, to his skill set, you know, to his strengths. And that's really key in football to put your players in a position to be successful. You know, I, I think we've seen the results from that, you know, over the, over the last two weeks. And I know those that have invested in them have been very happy with the return uh, on investment. I know when I was looking at my Scott Fishbowl roster with having, uh, you know, him and Bortles, I was very happy with the QB production this week.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually watched the game, um, It was this uh, high-octane back-and-forth, and and Mahomes was incredible. I mean, this is two games the Chiefs have gone and won on the road. Andy Reid has put together a very aesthetically pleasing offense, uh, which is really weird to say. It's really fun to watch a guy who's an old-fashioned gunslinger, but he's deadly accurate. And just go in there. Like Everyone on that roster is just catching touchdown passes. He made Chris Conley relevant he threw two lasers to to Travis Kelsey over the middle I, I feel like this this team has like a wheel route somewhere planned for Kareem hunt that they're going to unleash at the right time I, I I don't know I mean like say what you want about like the Alex Smith offense but this this one has just been wild to watch
4: yeah I'm like you, you look at Mahomes like through these past two weeks I'm like he's completed you know nearly 70% of his passes you know 10 touchdowns you know zero interceptions he's got a qbr of 143 this guy's averaging nearly 34 fantasy points a game and considering his adp i'm like you have to be happy with this return on investment but i think we're just going to see more of this you know from here on out And, and, and i like that they're attacking defenses vertically i'm like you can have some monster games for all those receivers with that type of mentality so i'm fired up about this guy
3: On the other hand, uh, you had Juju Smith-Schuster, who caught 13 of 19 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 2 loss.
4: Yeah, no shit. You know, you you give this guy that amount of targets in a game, you know, fireworks will be the results. And I'm like, this is coming from a player in Smith-Schuster that's only average, you know, since last year, you know, and and, uh, going into uh, after Week 1 of uh, this season, he's only averaged 6.2 targets a game. So it, it just really shows if you give him that type of a volume, you know these are the results that he can have, and you gotta you gotta be happy with that.
3: Yeah, the kind of the wild thing about uh, the Steelers last year was uh, they were playing Martavis ahead of ahead of uh, Juju. They'd work Juju in on special packages and stuff. And by like week three, uh you know it, it's a bit of a bummer to see like Martavis kind of uh, flame out here in Pittsburgh. They were like, all right, whatever, we're just gonna give it straight to the rook. Get in there, Juju. And he just, I mean, you know, that's all she wrote. And today, the Steelers did something very similar where uh, last week they had Justin Hunter active. He caught, you know, he missed a touchdown in the end zone. They were like, all right, you're a healthy scratch. James Washington, get in there. And and, and Washington came out there and and scored a TD. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? I mean, just this vertical offense going forward. I mean, we've got, you know, Brown, who everyone knows uh, is fantastic, Juju. And then how do you think uh, Washington fits in here?
4: Yeah, I I like Washington, you know, as a player, you know, with his skill set, you know, athletic ability. I think the thing that he needs to be successful were just, you know, additional snaps on the field, you know, and opportunities. I'm like, if you look at the targets, you know, you've got Brown leading the pack with 34, you know, Juju's right behind him at 28. And then you've got Washington, you know, that only has, you know, five. And also with Smith-Schuster and Brown, they've accumulated a a ton of air yards. Even if you look at uh, Smith-Schuster's uh, yards after the catch, you know, 141 yards after the catch, you know, up to this point of the season, that's phenomenal. Um, Washington's a good fit, but you know, he, he's still going to be very volatile from a fantasy perspective. That he's not getting the opportunities for wide receivers. Obviously, that's going to be targets.
2: I heard earlier today that in Week One, Connor Brown and Smith Schuster had something like 85 percent of Pittsburgh's touches, and uh, I bet it wasn't as high this week because Jesse James had a pretty good game, but. Uh, you know, just with all these guys hogging touches in Pittsburgh, yeah, like you said, it's going to be hard for him to find consistent volume, I think. So, yeah, he looked really good, but hard to expect that it'll continue.
4: Yeah. So it's always say, you know, hope's not a strategy. So opportunities aren't there. <laughs> Can't make it happen.
2: Chris Thompson rushed for just one yard on four carries but made up for that lack of production by snagging 13 catches for a team leading 92 yards on 14 targets Sunday in the Redskins week two loss to the Colts.
4: Yeah I would say uh, no shit on this one you know he's been you know he's been very productive you know when given the uh, the opportunities you know in Washington and I think if it's, it's an even better fit you know with them having uh, Adrian Peterson there who doesn't have a a really big history of, of being a receiver, you know, out of the backfield. I'm like, you know, you look at Thompson, I'm like, he's, you know, he's averaging a 23, you know, point six, you know, PPR points in fantasy a game. 21 targets already, you know, through two games as a receiver. Uh, so as long as he's getting those opportunities, and for me I consider an opportunity to be a rushing attempt, you know, or a target, you know, he's going to make it happen. He's been playing a pretty decent amount of snaps as well. So I'm buying him.
3: Travis Kelsey caught 7 of 10 targets for 109 yards and 2 touchdowns in the Chiefs' week 2 win over the Steelers.
4: Yeah, I would say uh, no shit on this one as well. I, I think that's kind of a, a theme with the players that we have selected with these performances. You know, for me, you know, statistical body of work is important. You look at a guy like Zeus, I'm like, you know, he's averaged out, you know, since 2016, you know, nearly, you know, 8 targets a game, you know, 5 receptions a game, you know, close to the 68 receiving yards a game, 14.3 you know, or more in some circumstances, you know, PPR points. Plus he has positive, you know, receiving fantasy points over expectation. As long as the guy's on the field, you know, which which he does play a high number of games and a high number of snaps, you know, he's going to make it happen. I think we've seen, you know, what type of production that he can have with having a guy like Mahomes under center. And so I think he's even in a position to potentially have a better year than he had, has had the previous two. It's going to be exciting to watch.
2: Antonio Callaway caught three or four targets for 81 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's week two loss to the Saints.
4: Yeah, I would say for this one, you know, uh, no shit. You know, for a guy like Callaway, you know, it's really all about opportunities for him. And, you know, with Gordon, with the, some of the, you know, things that that he's had going on, uh, you know, on the field and off the field, you know, I definitely want him to get his life, you know, on track. But, you know, one door closes and another one opens and then, you know, Callaway just walked right through and, and had a uh, the really good game, you know, today, considering, you know, they that defense that they were facing with the Saints, you know, and Lattimore, you know, on the other side of the ball. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy, you know, what he puts together with the rest of the season, you know, given this opportunity.
3: Yeah, especially since, like, Josh Gordon is no longer uh, with the Browns. Do you think Richard Higgins is someone that we should uh, even consider here, or, eh?
4: I would say in deeper and deeper leagues, uh, I would consider Higgins. and I know he was a guy that I was pretty high on on the uh, road of this series that we wrote this summer, you know, deep sleepers. So he was a guy that I was championing uh, championing in that article. Uh, But from the looks of it, you know, with Callaway getting the nod, it just seems like from behind the scenes, that's a guy that that coaching staff of the Browns, you know, they want him to be successful. And then looking at it from that lens, that's why I would give Callaway the nod.
3: Philip Lindsay rushed 14 times for 107 yards with one reception for four yards in Sunday's win over the Raiders.
4: Yeah, you know, when you look at this guy's production, you know, with Lindsay, you know, I would say uh, say no shit. You know, he outperformed, you know, Royce Freeman know, in week one. You know, he had another monster week uh, in week two. Uh, you know, just given the state of that offense, and, and I know today's game was, we'll just say it was interesting uh, with, with Case Keenum. <laughs> But uh, you know I'm, I'm buying Lindsay. It's unfortunately fortunate for the folks that have uh, invested heavily in Royce Freeman. I'm one of those as well. so we'll see how this backfield turns out.
2: Who do you think has a better fantasy season going forward between the two Lindsay and Freeman?
4: You know that's a uh, that's a very that's a very tough one. You know my instincts are telling me that uh, you know it's going to be Lindsay you know just given you know given how he's performed you know these last uh, last two games. And you know, he's taking the opportunity and, you know, he's really, uh, he's really running with it. You know, I'm like, he's just running circles around, um, you know, Freeman, you know, for right now. And and the crazy thing is they've had a pretty similar workload, uh, up to this point, you know, Lindsay's had, you know, 29 rushing attempts. Freeman's had 23. Lindsey's had a few more, uh, targets, a few more receptions to uh Freeman zero, but I'm like, he's on the field. I'm like, he looks like the better back to me.
3: Yeah. The, uh, Broncos is you you know Philip Lindsay has become the first ever undrafted player in NFL history to record at least 100 scrimmage yards in his first two games, according to Adam Schefter. That's actually fairly interesting. I, I, I mean that it, it, in and of itself. When Philip Lindsay actually made the 53-man roster, Blair and I told everyone to kind of go in. I even told everyone what my what my bid was, <laughs> and. I still want Lindsey. So, I'm telling you guys, Like the one thing that I'm very excited about with this uh, Freeman-Lindsey backfield is that it could be something akin to the, like a poor man's version of the Mark Ingram-Alvin Kamara uh, backfield or what the Chargers have going with Melvin Mal- Gordon and Austin Eckler where they've got these mm-hmm. two, you know, you've got a couple of guys who are capable of, of performing in the on the ground and through the air you know you can keep defenses off balance and sort of attack them where they're weakest with and rotate these two guys and it's going to be very fascinating to watch luckily i own lindsey and royce on on a couple of the same squads and i have zero issues with putting them both out there in my running back spots
2: so are you still buying freeman like you're still trying to trade with him where you don't Trade for him rather where you don't own him.
4: Oh, that's 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 a good question. Yeah, it's obviously for a guy like for a guy like Freeman, I'm like he's still getting the opportunities. He just hasn't gone boom yet. So I, I could see some players, you know, trying to kind of buy low, you know, on him. I'm like, it it makes sense to just own a, a piece of the backfield, but it's just obviously Lindsey's the one that's getting the most attention, just given the production. Yeah, so I'm, I'll, I'll be on board with trying to roster at least one of them.
3: Yeah, I mean the the one thing that's actually pretty impressive is how efficient Lindsay's kind of been, and this is sort of the stuff that we are worried about, like when Camaro was smashing, and even now when Eckler is, is that they will eventually regress to the mean. Now, all like what I'd I'd be trying to do is similar to what you said is like Freeman has yet to go boom. He is going to go boom as long as he sees that opportunity. It's not like they they haven't given him that. They stopped giving him that opportunity. And so, if there is someone in your league who's panicking on Freeman, if there is someone in your league who, you know, is just looking to get out from under him, even in redraft, just send out some really low offers. Uh, You know, people will just click accept if they were just going to drop the guy anyway, and the kind of narrative on this RB class, although it's a very strong class, is starting to slowly shift because, you know, all of them aren't three down workhorses, they're kind of finding themselves in these committees, people are getting discouraged, they put all this high draft capital in and they're not getting in the return they want. It's a long season, we've got another 14 weeks, just go right ahead, see what you can get, right?
2: Yeah, I gotta be honest, I think I might be on the selling side of Freeman at this point. Uh, I probably wouldn't drop him but I definitely would kind of see what I could get. I mean they had equal opportunities Pretty much in week one, but week two, Lindsey almost doubled Freeman's touches. Freeman had eight, eight rushes. Lindsey had 14 and a catch. So I don't know. It seemed to be trending in the wrong direction for Freeman. So I think, you know, I might be trying to sell right now. See what I can get for him.
3: Out of curiosity, how much of that do you think just comes from a fa- from a, from, a, from game from a game script perspective? Just because the Broncos trailed the whole game till they won.
2: That's a good point. Could be. Yeah. We'll have to see more. Yeah. Great point. Matt Breida started with 138 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries while also delivering three catches for 21 yards on four targets Sunday in the 49ers week to win over Detroit.
4: Yeah, I would say for uh, for Breida, you know, I would say, um, you know, no shit. You know, this is a guy that you know, I was pretty high on uh, coming into the season. I remember writing the uh, you know that article on him for the uh, the running back countdown, and so yeah, it's not surprising to see that type of production, uh, especially in the Shanahan offense. So, yeah, he's he's got a uh, he's got a bright season ahead of him. Just got to make sure he keeps getting the touches, and he can deliver. Obviously, as you can see from the results.
3: Do you think uh, like we're kind of done with Alfred Morris here, or is it just like going to be a matter as time? Is it three down back, or well, how do you see that shaking out?
4: I still believe it'll be a committee, you know, just based on how Shanahan has operated in the past, you know, in Washington and also uh, in Atlanta. Uh, so Morris will still have a role, but we could see that in an where, you know, Brita is more of the, uh, I guess, the Devontae Freeman you know, type of role, you know, with uh, Morris still you know, coming in as a change of pace. I would say my, my big concern just with giving him that full workload at this point would just be, you know, with the injury that he had, uh, you know, during the summer, you know, just given how he's healed from that, you know, they could obviously give him more work, you know, so if he's, you know, putting together, you know, these types of stat lines, you know, they've they got to feed him some more.
3: Demarius Thomas got five of 11 targets for 18 yards in Sunday's week two win over the Raiders.
4: Ooh, you know, I'm a big Demarius guy, you know, big Demarius Thomas guy, so, You know, I would say on this, it's still kind of more of the same. So I would say, you know, shit, no on this one. You know, this is a guy who's consistently gotten a lot of targets, you know, going back many, many years. Uh, And then he had 11 in this game and still wasn't able to make it happen, even with an upgrade at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is there. He obviously likes to eat and has been productive. You know, if that dynamic will continue to shift.
3: One thing that I kind of want to note here is that Sanders was wildly efficient with his targets. He saw four targets and he converted four of them for 96 yards. I mean, Keenum and the entire like offense looked pretty out of sync. They looked fairly lackadaisical, kind of confused. It was very touch and go for a minute there with Oakland. I do know Demaryius Thomas got hurt on a on a uh, red zone play. I can't. My my memory is failing me right now, but. You know, he limped off on the sideline. Like You know, a friend texted me a joke that like Demarius crawled to the sideline. It looked very, very iffy for a moment, but he got right back in. This is a guy who plays hurt. And, uh, you know, he, the, the target share in Denver is very concentrated between him and Sanders. I think they're kind of very complementary players. One makes the other go when one's not in or underperforming. The other one also can go off. Uh, there you know, are a couple of players I don't mind doubling up on, and, and I have doubled up on in leagues, just showing them both out there, because it's 25%, 25% of the target share each. Uh, I, I wanted to note that actually Cortland Sutton saw six targets, more than M- Manny Sanders did and about half of what Demarius did, but he only caught one of those for a nine-yard gain. Um, do you think if Demarius continues to struggle, will Cortland Sutton work in more, and does that make him a priority waiver ad?
4: Yeah, I, I would prioritize, you know, getting Sutton, but it just comes down to uh, the, the, what costs. You know, he's not a guy for, you can say 50 plus percent of fab, you know, on him. But if he's a guy that you can get pretty, you know, inexpensive and a guy that you can stash, you know, I, I could see him being even more valuable as the season, you know, comes on or goes on, excuse me, um, especially in the red zone. So I think he has the potential to be the, the best red, uh, red zone receiver that the Broncos have.
2: Rob Gronkowski caught two of four targets for 15 yards in the Patriots' Week Two loss to the Jaguars.
4: Yeah, just given the matchup, you know, I would say, um, you know, no shit on this one. The uh, one thing with with Gronk, I'm like he always gets a lot of work, you know, with Brady. I'm like you back Gronk going back to uh, the start of the 2017 season, I'm like he's averaging you know, nearly 18, you know, PPR fantasy points up per game. You know, I think a lot of his struggles in this game, you know, really had to do uh, with the matchup, you know, but obviously Gronk will bounce back, you know, in coming weeks. So I'm not really worried about him.
3: Keelan Cole got seven of eight targets for 116 yards and a touchdown in the Jaguars' week two win over the Patriots.
4: Yeah, I would say with Keelan Cole, you know, in this one for him, you know, I would say uh, no shit. You know, this is a guy that's uh, been chomping at the bits, you know, for, uh, for more opportunities, you know, more targets, you know, more chances to make plays. And the unfortunate injury, you know, to Marquise Lee, uh, opened up the door for him. So it was a, a great game. You know, he had a, yeah. uh, a monster catch, <laughs> you know, that was blowing up on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's, you know, he's going to be the man, you know, from here on out. He's going to make it happen.
3: Yeah, that catch was, oh, my goodness. It was like OBJ-esque where he just came down with it. Like, I don't know how he got that to stick to his glove, let him come down with it, and then actually. Can get what like three yards of yak or something that's ridiculous
2: yeah it looked like he was gonna keep running that would have just been uh perfect perfect yeah
4: catch. It, it was it was it was <laughs> it was a beautiful catch so it's kind of one of those if you're watching it like uh out you know with, with friends you know or like at a bar you know a, a restaurant where everyone's like woo. It was kind of one of those types of catches. I even kind of had to let one of those out at the house, and my son's like looking at me like, Dad, what's up? <laughs> yeah, it was, I that was just ridiculous.
3: I mean, and uh, James Conner made one of those earlier in the day. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but.
2: Yeah, but it didn't count, uh, yeah, right? Yeah,
3: it's just, that one's going to be lost to the sands of time. That Keelan Cole catch was, <laughs> oh my goodness. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app. fantasy football season, head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotorQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimized and trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.
2: Alright, moving on to news item number three, David Johnson rushed 13 times for 48 yards and hauled in one of two targets for three yards in the Cardinals' week Two loss to the Rams. Uh, so Eric, this is the second week in a row that Johnson and the Cardinals offense has underperformed. Are you worried about David Johnson moving forward, and would the shift to a new quarterback and Josh Rosen give you any uh, hope for you know him having a this type of season we're used to seeing from him?
4: I am worried about uh, David Johnson moving forward. You know the going into the season, you know you felt like the the touches would be there on a per game basis, and he's a talented enough player and athletically gifted enough to make something happen with those touches. But I, but I am worried just given the state of this offense, I don't really know if the shift to Josh Rosen would do any good. I think it really all starts, you know, with the coaching staff, you know, this offense just from watching, it's very, you know, very dated. It looks very boring. It doesn't look very creative. It really puts some put some perspective on this. It doesn't look like the chiefs offense. I'm not saying I want them to emulate the chiefs, but it just needs to have a little bit more sizzle. And then if that does happen, you know, if they get a little bit more creative, you know, then DJ could thrive. But I admit I'm worried. I don't I don't have any shares of DJ, you know, for this season. But I know he was a top three pick. And so I'm sure those folks that do have them on their fantasy teams are concerned. And I am too.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty big step down going from a Bruce Arians offense that was kind of high-flying to whatever sam bradford seems to be running out there under head coach steve wilkes and their offensive coordinator comes from the john fox school of uh, football which is i mean we all saw the bears last year like i mean i wish i could forget but we all saw them uh, you know this is seems to be like what it is uh, that's holding the cardinals back uh the fact that the Cardinals have committed a significant amount of money not only to Bradford but also Mike Glennon in terms of guarantees for the quarterbacks—it's—it's it's absolutely pathetic. Uh, I mean, you know, you're you're wasting cap space on essentially guys who—I mean, Bradford had a kind of a promising-ish career. You'd never know that this was the same Sam Bradford that lit up college football the way he did. I mean, I, and Mike London, the best thing that I can say is that, like, at least people know what a giraffe looks like looking at him. <laughs> but, right. but, like, outside of that, you know, the fact that they're wasting David Johnson, he had zero targets to the first half. The fact that the only time this offense made it past midfield was the final drive of the game. Uh, last week uh, in their first game, they ran 24 plays for the first three quarters and ran 25 in the last quarter alone after they realized they were losing. You know, this seems to be an offense that not only does it not have an identity, there's also zero interest in them putting together any product here. Like, there's just no concept of what they're doing. I mean, they, they're they using David Johnson, who is arguably one of the best dual threat running backs in the in the National Football League, as a pure through-the-tackles grinder, which is completely ruins whatever kind of, uh, you know, the kind of route-running ability and, like, what the ability of, of David Johnson really is to this offense. And I think just being that vanilla does this entire squad a disservice. What are your thoughts, Moody?
4: No, I think you're spot-on. Yeah. Um... It's just a shame, you know, that they're, uh, especially with him coming off of the, the season where he had that injury and he was out for the year, you know, to come back healthy. Seems like he's motivated, ready to go to work for where, you know, they're not putting him in a position to be successful. I think that's the disappointing thing. So I think you hit on a lot of good points.
2: So in 2016, David Johnson had by far the most air yards of any running back, like not even close. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's like 700 or something basically an a dot of uh four or five or something and this year uh i believe his a dot is still behind the line of scrimmage like they're just not throwing it to him downfield at all he almost never lines up wide or in the slot like he used to uh so yeah just i think that's exactly right that they're just not using him in any kind of creative way or trying to put him in positions to succeed uh so yeah it's a real definitely a problem that a quarterback change doesn't necessarily promise to fix. Uh, I mean there's no reason to think that just switching a new quarterback would all of a sudden change the offensive scheme so yeah. You know we talk about you know the the Tampa Bay coaches as ones we well at least before the season we would have wanted to maybe lose their jobs but uh you know they've actually looked good. So I don't know. Cardinals coaches should be on the hot seat if they're not. Tyrod Taylor completed 22 of 30
3: passes for 246 yards and one touchdown and one interception in Sunday's Week 2 loss versus the Saints. Eric, on a day when Cleveland's D came into New Orleans and held the Saints to only three points to three quarters, the Browns were still unable to come away with a win. Is it finally time for the team to turn to Baker Mayfield?
4: I think the team should look into Baker Mayfield because – you know, Tyrod's had, you know, two opportunities here and essentially has underperformed. One thing that I noticed just when looking at the other uh, Browns which which concerned me even more, you know, considering that weather wasn't a factor, you know, you don't have any other variables that would impact these numbers is that they didn't have a single receiver or a tight end, you know, that went over, you know, 100 yards or more in air yards. I'm like you've got Antonio Callaway at 68, you got David Njoku at 69 that's just unacceptable. I'm like, with well, these type of weapons that you have that can attack defenses vertically, you have to throw the ball down the field. I know Baker Mayfield's not afraid to do that, so I think it's worth looking into to see what he can do sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, it's weird that they could only get, you know, 30 pass attempts, even despite the fact that for most of the game, New Orleans wasn't playing that great either. Uh, but, I, you know, both teams were playing a very slow paced game it would appear um so yeah seven targets only for Jarvis Landry that was tied for the most that's hopefully you'd like to see him get a few more of the targets uh David Njoku also had seven so you know getting these guys some more targets more opportunities to actually do something uh would definitely be good and you know, I'm thinking, you know, Taylor hasn't looked great. Baker Mayfield should hopefully be more capable of of doing that. So, yeah, I'm ready for Baker time to start already.
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you can look at it and say, well, Tyrod kind of prevented, you know, was beating the Saints right up until the end, right? Uh, It was not a pretty win, but it was going to be a win. Now, Tyrod is probably leaps and bounds better than whatever the Browns have had prior and years prior the issue is the browns went out and spent the 101 on Baker Mayfield and now you know your team is like all all they've seen are losses the last quarterback that took this team to victory was Robert Griffin III and that was in 2015 uh, i'm forgetting my years are all mixed up now there thank you but you know you've got the 101, who is a very exciting prospect, all these other teams, you know, uh, who we thought are going to be bad with their young quarterbacks, like uh, the New York Jets are actually putting on something that the fans are actually enjoying. You know, like you've got uh, a fan base that seems to be pretty downtrodden, a coaching staff that seems to be making just negative EV decisions, like the against the Steelers, for example, just because they're in the hunt for that one elusive victory. And, uh, you know, they spent all summer not letting Baker practice with the ones, like the fact that they're committed to Tyrod, and uh, it's fine because Tyrod's a very good quarterback. The issue is that, like, at some point this team needs to win, or they need to just move on from Hugh Jackson, and I think that they're going to be willing, I I think Hugh's going to be willing to try the Baker route before this happens. Uh, I've been saying this for the majority of the summer, at least in the road of his slack, that... This week three game for the Browns against the Jets is big. Uh, this was one that everyone had penciled in preseason as a win for the Browns. Uh, not so much anymore. And the fact that it's at home on Thursday night against the Jets and their rookie quarterback, if they were to lose to them, I don't know how you can sell your fan base on another Tyrod Taylor start. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I would I would agree with you. It's, uh, you know, a lot of... You know, the financial piece drives a lot of these decisions. So I'm sure the fan base up in Cleveland's like, hey, we got this guy we drafted, you know, um, very, very high draft pick, you know, number one overall, and we need to get him out onto the field. So we don't like the product that we're seeing out there. So it wouldn't surprise me. I think you laid it out pretty well on what could happen here uh, on Thursday, depending if things go awry.
2: Especially since they could have drafted arnold but they liked baker more so if you know they have this rookie quarterback who they liked more uh who you know is sitting on the bench while the rookie quarterback that they could have had um you know beats them i don't know that sticks in your mind
3: that'll just burn the franchise man like that would be like the breaking point for a lot of these uh, fans i think
2: Alright, well that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest Eric Moody. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. Please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hasan Raheem, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening.
3: Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
5: Technology Truths. Brought to you by GEICO.
0: Technology Truths.
5: Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
0: How
4: was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth.
5: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
4: What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
5: What? Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.